Think about the first friends you ever made. What made them such good friends? And how did they really shape your life? Today on the USC Christian Challenge podcast, Neil is continuing our series, As I Have Loved You, looking at how Jesus loved others by becoming true friends with them. Welcome to Challenge. Good to be back with you guys tonight. Welcome. Uh, for those of you that have not been into this room before, haven't gotten a chance to be here for Challenge, well, especially welcome to you. I'm glad you're here. Um, somebody asked me last week, they said, hey, so do we normally like go longer or we go like that same? I think now we're going a little bit shorter. Oh, there you go. Difference uh, in my voice. Uh, felt like when I was 13. Um, but uh, so, you know. Going a little bit different, and the reason we are is because, you know, we want you to have time to be able to uh, get to know one another, and so we know you only have limited amount of time, so we're kind of truncating a few things on uh, on speaking just so that you have a little bit more time. So, last week we began a series on As I Have Loved You, and that came out of a command that Jesus gave to the disciples his last night on earth. In John 13, 34 and 35, which you'll see right here behind me, he says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus's whole life was kind of an incarnation of what it looks like to love other people. And when you look at this right here, this command was kind of like this revolutionary thing. Because what he's saying is that the very love that gave Jesus the ability to lay down his life for us is something that can be replicated and lived out by his followers. We can actually do that. We can actually love other people like that. It is possible to love others the way he loved us. And another thing we looked at last week, we looked and we said, you know, if you're going to experience the life that you crave and the one that God desires for you, then you need to learn how to love other people. Now, you know, I wonder, wouldn't it be great to have relationships the way Jesus had relationships? Have you ever noticed, I mean, People loved being around him. I mean, they just kind of flocked to be around him from all over the place, from all different kinds of people, all different kinds of stripes. They just loved to be around him. And he had some very deep relationships. And that's exactly the kind of thing he wants to build into our lives, you know. We also mentioned there were three things. We talked about how as the disciples first heard Jesus say this, they must have reflected back over the previous three years that they spent with him. And they were thinking, okay, as I have loved you, how did he love us? And one of the very first things that came to their mind was how he had accepted each one of them. I'm sure Matthew thought that. You know, Matthew's over there. He has been outcast by everybody because he was a tax collector. And yet Jesus welcomed him in. You know, um, Peter, all he ever did was open his mouth to exchange feet. And, you know, I mean, constantly, you know, and yet Jesus welcomes him in. You know, Thomas, you know, Thomas is over there, you know, we're going to do this. I doubt it. You know, okay, Thomas, well, you know, I mean, Jesus welcomes him in. Over and over and over, what you see is he, he accepted people right where they were. And we talked last week, we said there's actually three things, one, two, three, three things that would help you begin to love like Jesus did in accepting people. Anybody remember one, one, one two, or three? I'm just curious. 
Hmm? Ah, I, I go use, yes, Audrey. Yeah, one way to view people, see them as God's highest creation, who he loves and longs to have fellowship with, who just happen to be sinners. That's right. What else? Yeah, Dave? Yeah, that's exactly right. You have two hands, you know what? Hold on to truth and extend a hand of love and grace. Great. Third, there was somebody else that had a hand up here. Yep, Josh. That's right. Love them, pray for them, share with them. So those are things that we want to do. Those are ways that we want to begin to live that out. And as the disciples heard that, I'm sure they thought back over that. And one of the things that must have come to their mind right after they thought about how Jesus had really accepted them and they thought about the difference that had made was they thought about how he had befriended them. In fact, he says in John 15 at one point, he says, you know, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. And so he began to do Now, why are friendships so important? Have you thought about it? Why, why are friendships so important? What, what kind of reasons do you think? Why do you think friendships are important? Not that I don't have some here. I do. But I'm just wondering what you think. You know, why do you think friendships are important? Because man is not meant to be alone. Yeah, yeah. It's not good to be alone. I mean, now some of you are going, I'm kind of an introvert. It is kind of good to be alone sometimes, you know, but I know that. But if you were alone all the time, then you would be lonely and you would be sad or you would just be a lonely, sad person. But I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be alone all the time. No. Anybody else? What? Yeah. But free. Yeah. It determines the quality and direction of your life. It really does. You know, let me give you a few reasons why friendships are so important. One, friendships spur you on to be a better version of you. Friendships really help you to be a better version of you. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When I first got to school, uh, to college, um, I didn't exactly let studies get in the way of my education. And... Um, so, you know, I was kind of rocking along, just fat, dumb, and happy, and uh, just having a great time, you know. And um, then what I began to notice over the course of a year or so is that the friends I had really helped me to be a better student because they were smart and they liked to study. And I thought, I could try that. Uh, you know, and so uh, I did. And my grades reflected it. You know, I mean, it was like one of those things. They spurred me on to be a better version of myself. You know, what you're going to find is if you have good friends and you have deep friendships, they'll make you a better you. It's not like they want to make you a different you. They just want you to be a better you, you know. And so uh, that, that's one of the key things. Second thing, you're going to find friendships help you to be more productive and help you to make it through some really rough times in your life. Now, if you have not experienced rough times in your life, well, hold on. As one of my coaches used to say, cheer up, it gets worse. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> thanks, coach. Uh, you know, um, but it's one of those things, what you find is that you're going to face some rough things in life, and you're not only going to face some rough times, but, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to be as productive when it's just you. But what you'll find is, when you link up with somebody else and you have some friendships, man, it makes a difference. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. 
For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his brother. But woe to him who falls when there is not another to lift him up. You know, there is going to be something that's really special about having some friendships, people you can depend on. Now, I'm not exactly sure what woe means there, but I think it means woe. You know, I think it's not a good thing, okay? You know, don't be alone in that situation. Have some friends that you can really run with and you can depend on. Third thing, friendships improve your social and life skills. Now, for some of you, this is a very good thing, okay? You want to pay attention to this. Friendships improve your social and life skills. You know, friends, you know, they, they teach you things um, like... Let's not make life all about you. You know, or I've heard that story 37 times. Uh, you know, uh, they'll help you with things like that. You know what I mean? Um, they teach you things like how to forgive, um, how to be patient, how to communicate better. Sometimes they just teach you how to be better friends. But you know what? They'll make you a better you. What you'll find is they, they'll improve your life skills, they'll improve, improve your social skills, they'll help you a lot. A fourth thing. Friendships teach you more about you. They teach you more about you. You know, Oscar Wilde said it like this. True friends stab you in the front. <laughs> You're like, what? You know, that's, he was kind of playing off of something that Solomon said one time years before that when he said, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And what both of them were saying was the exact same things. Friends will not just tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you what you need to hear. Now, what you'll find a lot of times is, you know, they'll tell you truth. And we don't always want to hear truth. But you know what? It's good to have friends because friends will do that. You know, friends, the only kind of people in the world that will tell you the truth about yourself, um, you know, those who love you and those who hate you. You ought to listen to both. You know, I mean, those who love you will tell you the truth because they want to really help you. Those who hate you will tell you the truth because they want you to know it. And so, you know, uh, you need to kind of listen to both of those. But, you know, at what you'll find with friends, they'll love you enough to point out blind spots in your life that you might not ever see. Like, did you notice that head of cabbage right there in your teeth? Uh, you know, and you're like, oh, oh, thank you. You know, and, uh, you know, just minor things like that. You know, uh, they'll help you with things that you might not notice. You know, the other thing about friends, they'll point out strengths in your life that you never knew you had either. And they'll say, you know what, you can do that. And you can not only do that, but you can do that and you can do that well. And so friendships are, are crucial. Fifth reason, last reason, friendships are healthy for you. Friendships are healthy for you. Did you know that Harvard that other place over there on the East Coast, um, they did a study, and you know what they found out? That people that do not have strong relationships, they, their opportunity, their increase of risk for premature death is up 50%. 50, 50%. The same as smoking like 15 cigarettes a day. That's what it's like if you don't have strong friendships. So, you know, you kind of look at that and you think, good night. Friendships seem like they're important. They are. Uh, you know, it seems like people need good friendships. They do. You do, too. I mean, everybody needs good friendships. So we ought to be befriending people. I mean, good night. It makes sense. So how do you begin to befriend people? Well, Jesus kind of gave us a clue. 
If you look in this verse right here, he says it again. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, and that you have love one for another. So, what's the clue? How do we begin to befriend people? If we don't know how to befriend people, and Jesus says this to us, how do we, how do we begin to befriend people? I know you're thinking. We don't know where you're going. We don't know if we want to play. But you need to play. What do you think? What's, what would be the clue for what we could do to learn how to befriend others? Yeah, you know what? As I have loved you. That is exactly right. Look at what did Jesus, what did Jesus do? And so when you begin to look at that, then you begin to ask the question, how did Jesus befriend them? What are some things he did? What are things we could learn from looking at the life of Jesus? First one you see is this. He invited them into his life. He invited them into his life. In fact, Nathaniel at one point, you know, uh, you know, you always like friends like this when you first meet them. Nathaniel comes up and they go, have you met uh, Jesus? He's from uh, Nazareth. And he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know. You always like it when someone says something like that about your hometown, you know. And what, what does Jesus say? Come and see. Come and see. He invites them into his life. You know, um, you look later on and he's going around to the different disciples, whether it's James and John as they're there at, at working in their nets and stuff, fishing, or whether it's Matthew as he's a tax collector and stuff. And he comes along and he says, follow me, follow me. And he invites them into his life. In fact, in uh, Mark 3.14, when it talks about how he chose the 12, it says he appointed 12 that they would be with him and that he could send them forth to preach. So he appointed 12 to be with him. One of the things, the primary thing God wants, you know, when he initially starts a relationship with you, he just wants to be with you. He wants you to learn to just enjoy him and spend time with him. So that's one of the things he did. He invited them into his life. Second thing he did, he was approachable. When you begin to look at Jesus, I mean, very approachable. Like um, one time he's asking the disciples, he says, um, you know, hey guys, who, who do you say I am? You know, and, um, you know, some of them go, well, you know, some say you're like a prophet, like, you know, Jeremiah or Elijah or somebody and Somebody says you're like John the Baptist. And Jesus goes, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Peter, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he goes, oh, good, Peter. Flesh and blood did not, flesh and blood, you can't say that real fast, uh, did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And so they're kind of sitting there for a minute. And then he goes, now let me tell you what's going to happen. Over the next few days, I'm going to be taken up by these people. I am going to be beaten. I am going to be crucified. And then I'm going to rise again in three days. And Peter goes, Jesus. And kind of pulls him over to the side. Nah, nah. You know, and uh, begins to correct him. Now, who corrects God? Peter. Uh, you know, which is why Peter, if you look in Scripture, has the, you know, dubious distinction 
of being the only one reprimanded by Jesus himself. You know, when he says, Peter's, his response to Peter in that case is, get behind me, Satan. Oh. You know, and kind of steps back, you know, like, I'm Satan now. Uh, you know, he kind of goes back. And a little bit later, you know, uh, it shows Peter, Jesus takes Peter and James and John, and they're on this Mount of Transfiguration, and they can begin to see him and see him, you know, uh, like, you know, talking to God and stuff like that. And then if you look at the text, it says, and Peter, not knowing what to say, said, uh, <laughs> there's Peter, uh, you know, and uh, then you hear God go, Peter be quiet. And he's like, okay. Uh, you know, but very approachable. You see that with Jesus. I mean, he's in the boat, he's sleeping, he's out with these guys they are going across the lake. He's asleep. The waves begin to come up and the disciples come up and they wake him up and they go, Hey, don't you care? We're perishing. And Jesus gets up and goes, looks at the wind, stop. The waters stop. And they do. And suddenly the guys go, Oh, who, who is that? You know, and they kind of sit back like, whoa, but very approachable up until throughout his entire life. You see lepers come to him. You see people in need of healing come to him. You see people from all walks of life step up to him. Why? Very, very approachable. Now, what does it take in your life to be somebody that's approachable? You know, what would it take in your life? Think about what it took in Jesus. What, what would it take in yours? What would it take to be approachable? What kind of traits do you think? Patience. Patience. Yeah. Have to be patient. What else? What does it take to be approachable? Confidence. Confidence. Yeah. Security. Boy, you're secure in who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He said take your headphones off. <laughs> He said, take your headphones off. Take your headphones off. Yeah, that would help. <laughs> that would definitely help. You could be much more approachable. People wouldn't be going, hey, you know. Or like me the other day when a guy was walking and he goes, yeah. He goes, how you doing? And I go, fine. And then I realized he had a headpiece in. I was like, or not. Uh, you know, so I just kind of walking on like, yeah, I feel dumb. Um, so, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, you're wondering, how could he knock that over? Well, very easily if you stop and look. Um, you know, it takes all sorts of things. It takes security. It takes patience. You know, it, it takes humility. I mean, you know, it takes being friendly. I mean, have you ever noticed that you walk across campus and, you know, people kind of, they have their headphones in or they're walking around, they just have their head down. And if someone ever looks at you and smiles at you, you think... My day's better. I mean, you know, it's just, it's a better day. You know, and you ought to try that. It would help you to be approachable. You know, just looking to do that. Another thing you see in the life of Jesus, one of the things in him befriending them, he spent time with them. Now, a lot of times we look at the scriptures and I think we just miss the obvious that's right there. You go, what did Jesus do with them? He did the same things you do. He went to weddings. You remember that? Jesus, can you make more wine? All right. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he goes to weddings. I mean, you see, he's out boating with them. You know, like people go, he was out boating with them? Yeah. You ever see it? He goes, hey, guys, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And they go, okay. And so, you know, they all jump in this boat, head over to the other side. He's doing cookouts with them. 
You know, they're coming in for the shore. He's got some fish cooking right there. Hey, you guys want fish? I just want a burger, but I'll go with fish. Okay. You know, I mean, they're just coming in. He goes to parties with them. You know, he's over there and, you know, Matthew uh, has there and Matthew invites him, all of his tax collector friends. What does Jesus do? He goes to the party. You know, he does all sorts of things with him. He does, you know, ministry with them. I mean, you look throughout the Gospels. He's doing things with, he's doing life with them. And so that is part of what it means, spending time with them. That's part of what you do to befriend someone. You spend time with them. He was willing to ask for help when needed. That's another thing you do. When he's hanging on the cross and he realizes, hey, you know what? This is it. He looks down and he sees his mom and he sees John and he says, Mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And he says, you know, what he's saying in essence is, John, will you take care of her? I'm not going to be around anymore. And that's exactly what he does. And he's willing to do that. You know, another thing you see about him, he trusts them. That's another way you befriend people. You actually extend trust. Now, some people go, well, I don't know about that. You know, actually, people have to earn trust with me. I think, really? Good luck with that. You have to choose to trust people a lot of times. You know what? If someone had to earn trust, they'd have to be perfect. Have you ever thought about that? Because if they ever messed up, then, well, I can't trust them. They messed up. Well, then you won't trust anyone. Because guess what? Everyone messes up. So you have to choose to be you know, trusting, and you have to choose to be trustworthy. But Jesus trusts him. How, you think, how did he trust him? Well, here, I'll tell you what. How about this? You know that the thing that's on the heart of God is this. He wants his name known throughout the entire earth. He wants people of every tribe, tongue, everywhere to come to know him and love him and enjoy him. And he is about building this community. So what is his plan? He tells you in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, tanta ethne, of all the people groups. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And you think, that's it? We're his plan? That's it? Well, you talk about trust. I mean, can you imagine? You know, would you trust you with that? I'm not sure I would trust me with that. I mean, and yet Jesus did. He trusted him. You think, but did he have that for us? Yeah, he did. Did you read it? He says, one command if you look at that in the original language, in the Greek, there's one imperative, three participles. One imperative, make disciples. Three participles, as you are going, as you are teaching, as you are baptizing, make disciples. But then he says this, as you are teaching, teach them to do everything I've commanded you. What did he just commanded them? Make disciples. And what did he commanded them earlier? Love as I have loved you. So Jesus trusts them to be the ones who accomplish that. And guess what? He doesn't have a plan B. We're it. You know, that's kind of his plan. So boy, what trust. That's amazing. 
the last thing you see when Jesus befriends people is just the way he prays for them. He takes, even in his last night, I mean, you're sitting there, you think, if ever there's a time, you know it's your last night. You know you're going to die. You know you're going to experience things that you've never experienced. If you ever in the world had justification for making it all about you, this might be the time. And you know what Jesus does? He says, Father, I pray for these that you've given me. And I pray for not only for these that you've given me. I pray for those who will believe in you as a result of these that you've given me. In other words, he was praying for us. And he says, God, I pray you would protect them. I pray you would use them. I mean, if you look in John 17, he pours out his heart to the Father for us. That's what it looks like to begin to befriend people. You do those same kind of things. You know, you just, you begin to live those same things out. So how do, you, how do you befriend others? Just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. You do those things. When we befriend people, we are learning to love like Jesus loved. In fact, Jesus said this about, he said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples and that you have love one for another. In other words, he said, you know what the distinguishing mark should be on your life when people look at you? Is it like, well, I've got this kind of shirt on or I've got this on or I've got this or, you know, I say this or I act. No, he said, you know what the distinguishing mark of your life ought to be this. You love like I loved. As I have loved you. Stephen Sacconi in a book called Relational Intelligence, states it like this. When we love people well, we become the proof of God. I think that's true. When we love people well, we become the proof of God. So now what I would like you to do tonight is this. We're going to take some time here in a minute. We're going to um, spend some more time in worship. Then I think we've got some announcements and stuff. But after that, what I want you to do is this. I want you to meet at least two, if not three. Oh, oh I know it may be over the top for some. But, uh, you know, uh, at least two new friends. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to just get to know them a little bit and begin to think about how could you befriend them. And we'll do that. Let's take a minute. Let's pray. And we'll do it. Father, thank you. Thank you that you didn't just uh, tell us to do something and uh, we would have no clue and we would just be as dumb as I don't know what, trying to get it done. But instead, Father, you set the pace. You went first and you did it right. And you showed us how to actually love other people well. So, Father, help us as dearly beloved children to imitate our Father and live a life of love. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platform. We meet every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.